because it's time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Right now. Now, right here on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics, Frickers, Warner Automotive, by Blanchard Valley Health System, Rotor Rotor, Big B Coffee, by Northwestern Water and Sewer, Wilson Tire, Grace, by MJ Brown Construction Company, Premier Bank, Campus Poly by Financial Design Insurance Agency, Snyder's Flooring Outlet, Ohio Automotive Supply, and by Seneca Millwork, Five Star Maintenance, and the Ropey Corporation. Three, two, one, let's hear it. Now, let's go live to Lance and Matt from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB and Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you on this Wednesday night. We thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for this edition of the show. Matt, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great because I am not out of the conditions whatsoever. So if you're listening to this and it's still rough, uh, go home. Go home. Tune in. Sit down next to the on the nice recliner, maybe on your couch. Pick up some frickers to go. Have it delivered or DoorDash, whatever you feel like doing. Just just stay home because it's gross out. So please just do that. But uh, no, man, I'm doing good. It's It's been another fun week. We got another great week of sports up ahead. A fantastic show on deck for everyone tonight. The top-notch grade A certified USDA choice show. And um, more importantly than that, Kitty continues to go meow with the Cincinnati Bengals. So why not? It's, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time right now in sports. On this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios, we'll talk with Van Lu head girls basketball coach Sean Ginnan, and we'll talk with Riverdale head boys basketball coach Drew Hobensack, both coaches in their first year at the head coach of their teams, at least in terms of for Hobensack, his first time as a head coach entirely in Coach Ginnan has been around the blocks a block a few times, so we'll uh, we'll talk with him about some of his other stops here uh, a little later on in the show. We'll of course also talk about the NFL playoffs with the Bengals advancing to their second straight AFC title game appearance. But we might not be at the Frickers and Finley, but stop in for their daily specials if you of course are able to drive out safely out there. Uh, Monday boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. Daily specials are all dine in only. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at Frickers. Dot com And as Matt also alluded to, join us for our basketball coverage over the next few days. Thursday night, we'll have a rivalry matchup in the SBC River. Tiffin Calvert taking on Hopewell Loudon. Calvert won the first matchup of the season. Both teams, though, still very much alive for an SBC title. Matt Common and I will have that one on both stations Thursday night. Friday on Classic Hits, we'll have coverage of BBC Basketball. Van Buren hosting Van Lu. Matt Brown and I will have that one for you Friday night on Classic Hits 96.7. Then Friday on WFOB, we'll have girls basketball action with New Regal hosting Gibsonburg. Matt Com and Tom Grind have that one for you Friday on WFOB. And Matt, before we go to uh, our first break, uh, Thursday, of course, as long as we can uh, keep the, the weather away enough for that matchup on Thursday, uh, Hopewell against Calvert round two. Uh, what are you looking forward to seeing in that one for a little mini preview for uh, Thursday night? A uh, little mini preview for Thursday night. That's easy. Think uh, Rocky two. It's Apollo Creed versus 
Rocky Balboa, again, it's a down-the-street rivalry. These two teams don't like each other. They get after it. And you saw what happened the first time. Hopewell's continued to develop their game. They're still very much in the thick of it for both of them, as you alluded to, to the SBC title. So I, I, I'm i expecting a knockdown, dragout, heavyweight fight. It should be a great game to watch. We're going to a great venue to do it as well. Always fun to go to Hopewell Loudon. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Sean Ganan, Van Lu, head girls basketball coach, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. Frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks. When there's no time to make food for your holiday party, carry out four pounds of frickin' chicken chunks for only $34.99. Give the gift that always fits a $25 Frickers gift card and get five frickin' bonus bucks free. Let them get what they really want. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Dawn. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morse, Matt Common hanging out with you here on this snowy Wednesday night. We're now pleased to be joined by Van Lu head girls basketball coach Sean Ganan here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing fine, guys. Thank you again for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Uh, very, very much appreciate uh, getting the getting the chance to catch up. Well, that's great. I appreciate what you guys do on the radio and how you, you know, get involved with all the local high school sports. Thank you. Thank you as well for, for your kind words. So let's get into it for you. Uh, first year as the uh, head girls basketball coach at Van Lu. What was the, uh, what was the process like for, uh, for you getting the job? Well, you know, I, I had known uh, a couple families in the, in the town of Van Lu and uh, you know, their job had became open for whatever reason. And it, it kind of intrigued me. I had uh, been out of being a head coach for, oh, let's see. Uh, let me do the math in my head here. Uh, about four or five years. And, you know, I thought maybe I was done being a head coach. I don't mind being an assistant coach. Or And uh, it kind of intrigued me. 
wanted to kind of get back in it for the right reasons. And, you know, I love the game of basketball and I love teaching the fundamentals. And um, I just think it's a great sport and it teaches such many life lessons that, you know, it was an opportunity to get back and, and I guess be the, you know, the head person. And coach, first off, let me just say, I, I accept your apology in advance for beating me out for the position of the head girls basketball coach for Van oh. uh, Evidently, my four points a season was not enough to convince them that I was the right man for the job <laughs> back, back in my junior high playing days. But uh, I, I, I am curious what you were looking at the opportunity to get the head coaching job. What was it about this Van Lu program that really stood out to you as, you know, Hey, this could be a really solid opportunity, a place to grow, a place to get back into it. And, uh, you know, maybe keep a good trend going or turn things around a little bit with Van Lu. Well, you know, one was that, you know, you're, you're kind of limited in some areas and, and, and I think you're limited no matter what school district you are. But knowing that you were going to have, you know, you're going to build relationships all the way from there when these kids are in the fourth and fifth grade and to see them grow from year to year, right, um, and get better, um, that was one of the reasons, okay? So if you teach, you know, whatever it is, and then, okay, we're going to introduce this as when you're in the fifth grade playing, you know, gray Y ball, and then now we're going to, now we're in seventh grade and we're going to, we're going to, you know, increase what you know. And then just, I like, I, I love seeing growth in students and in athletes. And this was an opportunity to really see it from the, when they first touch a basketball until they leave your program. You know what I'm saying? And I guess that intrigued me. Um, the BBC has always been a great conference in boys and girls basketball. And I've been very fortunate to be on both sides, on the men's side and on the women's side, maybe not as a head coach but as an assistant. So, you know, and, and I still believe in family traditions. I'm old fashioned that way. And I just thought a small town, a small community that values sports as they do. And, you know, um, was an opportunity that I, I, I just couldn't pass up. Talking with uh, Sean Ginnan, head girls basketball coach at Van Lu here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios. You alluded to to both things uh, from from the most recent past uh, time, uh, of course, on the boys' side of things at Macomb with the coach Latta, and you've also I remember not too long ago you were also the girls' coach at Van Buren, and you've been at a handful of different other schools, uh, Gibsonburg, uh, St. Wendelin back in the day. You've also been. Well, you did, you did your math, didn't you? <laughs> I certainly, I certainly did. But being in Fostoria certainly, uh, certainly helps that part of it. Um, but you, well, you know, I was very fortunate to grow up in a. In a in a household where sports was very uh, important. And, you know, my dad coached, my grandfather coached. I knew back in high school, you know, that I wanted to get involved in coaching. Now, I didn't know what sport because I played all three in high school and was very fortunate to play a couple sports at the next level. So I wasn't sure what sport. I just knew I wanted to work with kids and, and wanted to coach. You know, a lot of places – for a lot of different reasons. Some because the drive became too long for him. Some because I, I wasn't working in that particular school district. 
So they caused a lot of uh, turnover, which, you know, is, is not good at times, but sometimes you do need a change after so many years. So, yeah, I've been very fortunate. I, I've been at the bottom with, with teams with records, and I've been at the top. So I've kind of seen it all. And, um, and, and, you know, I kind of like, you know, yeah, it would be great to inherit a team that you can take to the regionals, right. Or to the district or the conference championship. But I think it's also, I, you know, I'm, I'm willing to put in the work and, and so that, you know, to, to, to start somewhere and take what, whoever, you know, left you and then try to build around it. You know, I, I, I love when people say, well, what's your style of play when you're getting an interview? And I always say, well, you tell me what I have, and then I'll tell you what style we can play. Because, you know, if you if you get all post players, you really can't play up and down, right, and then shoot a lot of threes. But if you have – you inherit a team that, you know – so you – I've always thought that I did a pretty good job of taking whatever talent we had and finding what the right mix of. And it's always fun to do that. Well, and coach, I'll definitely say the deep dive for me was quite fun because I do remember uh, fleeting memories of a coach get in at uh, St. Wendell and back when I, uh, how do I say this nicely, not the program's been gone for a while, would, would draw the short straw of having to cover some of those games. <laughs> for football over the years but i do do definitely remember your name being passed around when there was the program was still around so i i I guess i'd ask from that one maybe not related to current stuff but is that something that you see it ever coming back whatsoever i mean i know st wendland as a whole is just completely closed down but do do you see there's ever a possibility in the future of that coming back you know i really don't know and it was very sad and you know i was there for four years and, and, and I think we did a nice job for the, for the middle two years. I thought we had teams that, you know, won 12 and 13 games and, you know, from going from one in five games my first year. And, you know, I was, I was very shocked after I left that, um, that it did. And, it, you know, I don't get down to false story as much as, you know, I probably would like, um, except to play golf. I like playing the golf courses down there. I'll be honest. But, you know, when you drive by there now, and there's this grass, you know, it's very sad to me. And uh, I think anytime that a community loses a school, then it's sad because, you know, you grow up with something and, and, you know, and, you know, I I know you got to keep moving um, and making changes, but when schools lose and towns lose their somewhat their identity because of a school, it is sad. And and I, I, I would hope that maybe something can be done, but, you know, I, I, you know, that's a question that I really can't answer because I'm, I guess I, because I don't know what's in store. Talking with Sean Ganan, head girls basketball coach at Van Lu here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. And, and lo- looking at your team, obviously some tough games throughout the season. Some of those you won, some of those you lost. A little less than a month left to go in the season. Kind of what's your overall standpoint on where your team is right now and what you look to do uh, the remainder of the regular season? Well, you know, from day one, I, I you know, um, you know, I looked at the fundamentals and every day I made a list of the things that we must do in our practices. And, and the first one was 
to handle the basketball, become more comfortable with the basketball. Two, you know, just, you know, and I know it sounds simple, just passing it and dribbling it and shooting it and catching it. And so we do a lot with that every day. And I think we've made great strides in that. Um, you're right. We, we've been, we've kind of had, I, I just, you know, we did the stats the other day for, you know, Nader went over there at uh, LB. And the one thing that I've noted, you know, every, every team, every season has some games that you were in that you don't win. And you think, well, God, if we can just win those, well, you know, we're four and 13 and we've been in six other games that were 10 points and less. And if we could, you just won those three, go three and three, right? couple four-point losses, a three-point loss, a two-point loss, a seven and an eight off the top of my head. I think, you know, it, of course it looks better for the kids, and of course it looks better for, you know, everybody who's, you know, looking at us. But I have seen, um, you know, I've seen improvement. And I think the one thing that, you know, that we're still battling a little bit is being self-confident. And, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. You know, when you haven't had the success that they probably would have liked over the last couple of years, you know, believing in yourself, especially when there's adversity. And, you know, I think sometimes we fight that because we don't, I don't think we believe in ourselves enough. And although we stress it and talk about it every day at practice, it's still something that needs to be worked on. So with, you know, with five games left, six games left, whatever we have left, you know, still preaching that we do believe in you. If you do these things, you know, and if you can handle a little bit of adversity, and that's not easy in today's world. And everybody's telling everyone, you know, how good they are and, and you know, whatever. And, you know, a lot of kids don't hear adversity and they don't have to deal with it. But it's something that, you know, you have to deal with as you get grow older. And um, so we're, we're battling that a little bit. I do like the play of some of our kids lately. Um, you know, I, I do see improvement. You know, I, I think, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, I, I'll i be honest with you. I, I thought we were we had six girls that could play at the varsity level. I do believe that we have eight girls that can play at the varsity level and give quality minutes. So that's a good thing. Uh, so, Coach, I, I guess – from what I'm hearing and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong otherwise on this assessment, but it, it sounds to me quite a bit that this is one of those where for like the Van Lu faithful and even for people around the area, it's like, okay, yeah, you can look at the record, but the record is not really telling the story here of the development and the growth that this team has actually had. And if you actually dig just a little bit below surface level, you can really see that things are starting to go in the right direction here for Van Lu. I, I do believe that, you know, and again, it's hard when you, you, you think you got it and two and three games you play as well as you possibly can. And then you go out and play a team that, you know, that you think, well, okay, I think we can compete with them record wise. And then you get blown out of, you know, get blown out of the water. So, you know, you, you got to believe. And uh, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Now it, it's hard, you know, people want, fans want student body wants you know wins and, and nobody wants to win more than I do and I don't think anybody wants to win any more than the kids but you you can't just base it on wins and losses 
you got to base it. And, and that's been a hard thing for me to adjust over my 34 years of coaching basketball is that it's not all about the W and that there are good things going on, even if certain people don't see it. If you see it as a coach and the kids see it, you know, that's the most important. So. This is uh, Van Lu head girls basketball coach Sean Ganan here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. You, you've mentioned uh, some of your players, you know, just uh, at, at the uh, at, a, at a smaller level. Why don't you go ahead and talk about everyone you want to talk about for who's been important for your team, who's accepted their role, whatever the reasoning may be. Talk about uh, the players you have on your team and what they've uh, what they've brought to you for the year. Certainly. Um you know, uh, I, I, I knew one of the young ladies, uh, the Simon girl, um, Mara Simon, and, uh, you know, she's a very good softball player, very good volleyball player. Um, you know, she's she's either first or second in rebounding and in block shots in the BBC. Um, you know, she can shoot the three. Um, she can post up a little bit. Um, she's kind of had an up and down season. Um, but you know, growth in the sense of, you know, she's learning stuff. You know, I bring kind of some different things, um, with offense and defense and, and what my expectations are. And so it took a while for, um, for all the girls and me to, 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 to understand each other. And uh, I think she's doing a lot better in that sense. And I'm understanding her game and she's understanding what I expect. And, you know, like I said, to to lead this conference in two areas or first or second, let's say, right. um, That's an accomplishment to her. You know, she's a great athlete and and hopefully, you know, I, you know, I have the luxury to have four starters back next year and that's going to be huge. Um, The second young girl is a sophomore who did play as a freshman and she played point guard and she is so fast. And she uh, almost went to the regionals and track last year. Don't ask me what event because I can't remember, (laughs) but um, she's having a great year and and really has surprised me with her growth as not only as a, you know, she, she was an athlete playing basketball and she's starting to become a basketball player as an athlete, if that makes any sense to you. Um, and she's starting to understand uh, and be a team leader. I've been very fortunate wherever I have been, have been around really good point guards. When I was at Gibsonburg, I had a girl named Heather Hill who was all Ohio. When I was at St. Wendelin, I had a kid by the name of Quinn Knoll, who was very good. And, you know, I played point guard for my father. Um, so, you know, I, the relationships with the head coach and point guards are so, so important, in my opinion. And, and we're, we're, we can talk basketball. You know, Olivia Secord is who I'm talking about. And, and, you know, she's averaging eight points. She's averaging five steals. She's averaging five rebounds. She's averaging six steals. I mean, she's really getting it. And so just can't wait to see what continues to uh, happen in her career at Van Lu because she's got a bright future. The third girl is a freshman. She started every game from day one. And, of course, as a freshman, you know, that's a big accomplishment to start every game as a freshman. I don't care what school you are at. And 
you know, I've given her some freedom that maybe I wouldn't at other places, but she plays so extremely hard. And, you know, maybe she takes some shots at times that maybe other coaches might not like. If you play hard for Coach Ganan, and if you're willing to stick your nose on the floor and get loose balls, then I'm going to allow you to be the player you are. She's understanding. And, again, I think freshmen hit the wall a lot. And what I mean by that is when they come from a junior high season where they're playing, what, 13, 14 games, and it's two or three months just jammed in, and now our season it starts a little sooner, right, and goes a little sooner. And, you know, I require, you know, film sessions and I require different things. Um, you know, she she's she's had her up and downs, but more ups and downs. And Adrian Phillips has done an outstanding job as a freshman, and it's only going to get better. She's asked to be more of a leader. Um, she wants to to stay after and, and work on her game. So yeah, that's that's the third one. And then, you know, a girl that I just have so much and I admire is Lexi Brooks. She's a junior. Um, she's a, she's very strong physically plays in the post for us. She's a little short to play down there, but she's got great post moves. Um, good foul shooter. I think she's one of the top eight, 10 foul shooters and she's really been hurt. She's tore or she's sprained that same ankle three times and has had to, to, you know, put a lot of time icing and stretching and so forth, but she, it doesn't deter her. She comes back um, day after day wanting more. And, and you know, to me, I, that's just so, so big. And, and, and I think she does a great job. So those are, those are the four starters that will return for us for next year. And then my three seniors, you can't ever have a team that, you know, it, it, you know seniors kind of run the team, you know, because, you know, it's their last hurrah. So you want to go out having a good season for those kids. And then they are Sydney King. Um, she's my fifth starter. And then off the bench um, is Maria Saltzman. And Addie Blanton are my three seniors. And they all bring something different. Uh, Miss Blanton hadn't played in a year or two. And she really does a great job of practice to get us ready for the next team. Maria Saltzman really hustles um, all over the floor. She's a great leader. Um, and then Sydney King can shoot it a little bit. She can take you off the dribble, um, plays pretty good, plays decent defense for us. So those are where my three seniors. And then the last person I'll talk to you about is uh, a freshman. Um, her name is Candace Saltzman. Um, might be the best passer I have in the whole program. She sees things that my other kids don't. And, um, that's just a gift that, you know, um, she was given. Um, she scored, she has, I we started her one game. She had 10 points and you can just see in the last four or five games that her playing time is increasing and it's because of her skills. She just needs to have more self-confidence and keep learning. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a neat thing the other night we played, um, New Regal on Saturday and her grandmother is the coach at New Regal so that was kind of a different aspect that I had never been a part of it but it, it worked out well and and it was it was kind of funny so to speak um, but uh, 
No, you know, we like I said, I, I hope uh, I hope they're learning as much as I'm learning from them. And and hopefully it's something that, you know, I, we, we talked the other day actually about, okay, now that we're doing some of these things, how do we continue to do them and do them in the right way? And I, and I told the kids, I said, you know, it's great that I've, I've had people come up to me in the recent weeks and say, hey, boy, you're going to be good next year. And I said, you know, that's great. And I, and I, on paper, yeah, you got four starters back, you got Candace back, but it's what you do. We all know this, anybody that's listening, that's been around the game, any game, it's what you do in the off season. And, um, you know, if, if we will work in the off season and do things at, in, in the, in the gym and at our, you know, in our driveways and working on shooting and, and passing and all those things then, yeah, I, I think that we could have a very nice team and continue to grow um, the basketball program. And, Coach, I, I'm always curious because you mentioned the longevity that you've had in your career. And, you know, I'll, I'm an old fart, so I always find this fascinating. What are some of the things that you have seen in your time, like some of the big changes from when you started versus now? I mean, obviously – Lots of different role changes. There's been other things that have gone on within the OHSA, but just the the style of play. How have you seen that change? And for someone like yourself, how, how easy is that to adapt to? It's not easy. It's really not. It's really not easy for a guy like me. Um, I, there's some great changes. Don't get me wrong. Um, the, the, you know, when I first got into it, um, the number one, you know, you you, you pass the ball more. You you in your offense, you have more, uh, discipline, maybe, I guess is the word, um, with your offense. It was more, you made three or four passes. You pounded the ball inside, you went inside, outside, you know, um, you played great half court defense, right. And it could be man or, and, or zone. Right. And you, you just started when I got into it, teams pressing you more and playing more transition offense you know uh, uh, your 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 break your secondary break wasn't real common and then that's what kind of took over you weren't running an offense so to speak <clears throat> you were running when you got on off makes and misses you were running this secondary break you got to see more three-pointers it became became more of a guard oriented game um than it was a lot more, a lot more pick and roll now, even in high school and uh, that you didn't see as much. Um, yeah. The three point, the three point line has changed the game of basketball. And sometimes I think it's for the good. And then sometimes I think it's not because everyone thinks that they have to be that Steph Curry and, you know, Steph Curry is a heck of a player, but you know, that's the, you know, there's not many out there like him. So, I think sometimes people get carried away with all the um, glamour of the three-point shot. Um, it's great, and it keeps you. It makes you rally quicker when you're down. But I also think it forces bad shots, and it forces bad basketball, and 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 things. So you know that's just an old farts opinion. Um, these these guys that you coach now, you know, they just love it to death. And, and it's like I said, I, I don't dislike it. I just think at times, you know, 
when I was at Upper Sandusky with my good friend Jeff Winslow um, for a couple of years, you know, we'd go down and we'd do three on two, two on one. And uh, they'd settle, you know, you, you got an advance two on one, right? You should get, a, you know, a layup or something. And we're, we're settling for threes. And I'll be honest with you, that kind of drove me nuts for a while. <laughs> How can a three pointer, you know, shot be better than a two pointer? You know what I mean? But I adjusted and he, he explained it. And, you know, Jeff's a great coach. He's done a great job at Upper Sandusky. Uh, we're great friends. And so, but yeah, the, the game has changed. Also, the, the, you know, you had, you know, there were more kids when I was coaching or when I first got into coaching that played all three sports. Um, you know, when I was coaching boys, you know, I've coached, I've been very fortunate in the 34 years of coaching basketball. I've coached 17 years of basketball with girls and 17 with boys just happened that way. I just, <laughs> I just thought of that the other day, but it doesn't matter male or female kids want to specialize and I'm not a fan of that especially I've coached eight other varsity sports in my life um I don't like specializing and I don't care what school you are or who you are um so you know kids working on their game was was more evident back when I first got into coaching now they they might practice it but it, they're specializing. Does that make sense? I hope I'm making yeah. sense with that. Um, yeah, definitely making but, sense. And, 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 you know, um, the game, the rules have changed. And, you know, I know I'm probably one of three people probably in the state of Ohio, if I had to guess. But I hope, I just hope that if, if, the, if the world changes, I hope I'm out of basketball. I don't think there should be a shot clock and high school basketball. And the reason I say that is there's, we're all struggling with fundamentals, passing, dribbling, catching. So if we're, if we're struggling in those three things, and now you're going to put a shot clock in and hurry everything up, I just think that's going to make the game more ugly and you're going to have more turnovers. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, yeah, maybe for the programs that are really good traditionally in boys and girls, you know what I mean? And I don't, I don't want to list all of them. I got, you know, but if, if you're just an average team or a little below average team and you're going to speed those kids up more to make those important decisions by putting a shot clock in, I just think the game could get a little ugly. That's just my opinion. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios talking with Van Bier- or Van Lou, head girls basketball coach uh, Sean Ganan here in the Fricker Zoom room. And there's that you take on Van Buren, a team they've been pretty good uh, on the season and kind of uh, crazy dynamics in a head coach is uh, for you and uh, Jaden Tabler, the first-year head coach over over at one of your former, former schools. What are some of the things you've seen from them in getting ready for that one? Well, they do an extremely great job of pressuring the basketball. Um, you know, they, they, they press you, they turn you over, they play up tempo, they get in, you know, they get in your face. That's something we're still working on. Um, the Busey girl, I think that's how you pronounce it. And if I didn't, I do apologize is one of the top four or five players in the league. Um, you know, she does so much 
for them. She can shoot it. She can drive. She causes turnovers. She runs the floor well. Um, and then the Durlet girl does a really nice job also. So he's got five or six, you know, five or six players that can score, uh, can play defense. You know, uh, he was a junior, maybe sophomore when I first arrived at Van Buren. And his dad, I actually, uh, is my insurance guy, by the way. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, I hired him in my third year, I believe, to help out and to be my varsity assistant. So, you know, and then Jaden went on to play a little baseball and, and I didn't even know he was going to head. And I ran into him in a district meeting uh, at the beginning of the fall. And uh, I said, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, I'm, you know, taking over. So it'll be interesting. It'll be nice to, you know, to, to, to see him and, and, and his father, because I think the father helps out too, but yep. yeah, they, they have a really nice ball club. I mean, they started out, you know, everyone, you know, I study the game pretty good. I'm not saying I'm great. I'm not saying I don't make mistakes, but you know, they started out 0 and three or something. And I said, yeah, well, let me tell you who they play. They played upper Sandusky. They played Bellevue. I think both those teams have maybe two to three losses on their schedule. If you look right now, uh, they played somebody else. And, and I'm thinking, don't judge this team by that record because they're very good. And they've only lost to those three teams by a small margin. So uh, I knew they were coming. I, I, I expected them to be good. You know, it, 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 like I said, I don't like to repeat myself, but, you know, our league's good. And they're, you know, they're right in the top three, top four of the league. And it's going to be a, a big task for us to, to handle their pressure. Um, hopefully we've been pressed by everybody and their sisters um, this year. And hopefully we can handle, if we can handle their pressure, um, I like how we're playing defense better now, and and I hope we can give them a ball game. And uh, but uh, yeah, it, it will be it will be definitely different to coach against the kid that uh, was at the, the same school you were. And uh, so what you know, you get those weird situations now that you get old like I do. <laughs> <laughs> and coach, last one I have for you, just because I, I'm a I'm a sucker for quality venues at the high school basketball level. And I, I just need to know how much of an advantage is it getting the stage instead of having to go to Van Buren for this matchup coming up? Oh, tons. <laughs> I've, I've fallen in love with the stage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're going to have a nice crowd no matter what, you know? Um, but yeah, it, definitely. It, it's nice to have this, this, this match with Van Buren at my, our, our place first. And then next year we can go over there. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to it. You know, uh, their kids, those girls were seventh graders, I believe that are seniors now over there. And, um, the Durlet girl, I coached two of her sisters. So, you know, it would be nice to hopefully see some old friends and go from there. So, but uh, again, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. Hopefully I didn't talk your legs off. Um, <laughs> But uh, again, you guys do a great job covering the area. And as a coach, I certainly do appreciate it. I mean, I'll speak for Lance here. You can talk our ears off whenever you want. Coach. <laughs> I mean, well, we, that is an open invitation to come do this again anytime. So, <laughs> okay, I, I'll I take you up on that. That's for sure. This has been Van Lu head girls basketball coach, Sean Ganane. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us and for the kind words. Good luck on a Thursday against Van Buren and throughout the rest of the season. Thank you.
With that, we'll go ahead and step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Riverdale head boys basketball coach Drew Hobensack here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Think you can't qualify for a car loan because of your past credit, bankruptcy, divorce, even repossessions and charge-offs? Well, think again and turn the corner to Warner. Warner Buick GMC can help you find the money you need for a car. Call 419-429-6157. That's 419-429-6157. Or apply online at warnerbuickgmc.com. Let Warner help you get a car today. For price, selection, and service, Warner won't be beat. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Iron Workers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Come on now, you know you've heard of those famous breadsticks. The ones oozing with cheese and a variety of other toppings you can choose from? That's right. The ones from Campus Poly Ice, the world famous ones. Don't forget Campus Poly Ice for tasty subs, pizza, your favorite beer, and even salads. One of Finley's best kept secrets. Don't forget to try the house made ranch dressing. Getting your favorite goodie from Campus Poly Ice is easy. Located at 339 South Blanchard Street, Campus Poly Ice offers dine in, carry out, or delivery. What you waiting on? Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if auto owners make sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 7.30. We're now pleased to be joined by Riverdale head boys basketball coach Drew Hobensack here in the Fricker's Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? Doing good. Season's going, um, you know, along quickly. Um, for You know, for my first year, it's it's moving along pretty well. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I wanted uh, wanted to start with you on as you're in your first year as the head coach of the boys basketball program at Riverdale. What was the process like for you uh, getting the head job? Well, it started with our uh, banquet back um, the end of last year when Coach Taylor told us, uh, pulled us coaches together and said he was um, stepping away. And, uh, you know, after a couple weeks of shock, um, you know, because he was all I known, um, as, as a coach. So when, uh, when he told us that I, I had some pretty lengthy talks with my wife and, um, you know, we decided that, you know, this was something my boys wanted to do. So I applied and went through that process. And then we, um, I interviewed once with, um, coach Taylor and, um, you know, some administration there and, and they, um, you know, hired me a couple weeks later and then we, uh, you know, jumped in feet first. And as you allude to, obviously you were on uh, Coach Taylor's staff uh, leading up to the change. What were some of the big things you learned over the years from working with him? The biggest thing that I've told people um, working from him is just how he runs the program in general. Um, You know, it's always clean. It's always um, kids always know what they expect. 
they um you know they know what they're getting you know when he's coaching and uh so i guess you know the biggest thing is is just um discipline you know and that's got to come first we've always preached um grades and and those have to be a top priority first and then and then we jump into basketball second and um you know but i i just over the six years, I've just watched how he's handled certain situations, how he's handled the locker rooms when we weren't so good. Um, I've watched really close when we were winning the BBC two years in a row and how he handled things, how he changed things, how he prepared for big games. And, uh, you know, just kind of made mental notes, um, jotted down some stuff along the way just in case, you know, I was ever in that position. So, um, you know, those are some of the biggest you know, takeaways that I've learned from him over those six or so years. Talking with Drew Hobensack, Riverdale head boys basketball coach here on the NWO orthopedic sports huddle from the Frickers studios. And you have a few seniors on this team, but for the most part, lots of, lots of younger guys, especially that sophomore class doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of scoring and some other things for your team. How does that kind of change? If at all, your kind of day in day out approach when it comes to the practices and all the things of that nature. Yeah. In the past, we've always been, um, senior heavy at uh, at Riverdale. So, you know, we've graduated classes of six, seven, eight, even nine one year. And so um, I knew going in this year, I'd have about three or four seniors coming back. Um, they would have all been starters. And then to start the year, we had um, our quarterback on the football team towards ACL. Um, he would have been a starter. Um, I had a kid break his ankle pretty bad in soccer before the season started. So I was down two seniors to even get started. Um, so, and I'm down, I'm, we only have one right now. So it's, um, you know, I, I was leaning heavy on, on those two seniors. Um, but in that process, I've had a lot of kids step up and take bigger roles. Um, some of the sophomores have stepped up and kind of, you know, taken the lead here and, you, you can see them grow in practice. I know the, the record isn't showing it, but I've told people, if you could come watch our practices, they're spirited. They, they get after it. You know, they, they practice hard. They're coming off the floor sweating. And, you know, so, and, and we've had sophomores lead in practice. We've had a uh, junior lead in practice, um, you know, and then all of that with our senior Carson Young, who um, is, you know, pretty much the, the, the team lead right now. Um, you know, so watching that, it's watching them all grow, um, watching them take a bigger lead than, than maybe they were comfortable with at the beginning of the year. But I keep telling them every practice that, you know, this is going to pay off in the future. You know, it's you're, you're working hard. You're you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. We're just not seeing the results at the end. So it'll pay off eventually, um, you know, if they stay with it and keep working hard and, and keep growing. And you alluded to the fact that you have had some tough games throughout the season. Some of those you guys were able to pull out and win. Some of those you weren't so fortunate. What's kind of your standpoint on where your team is at this point in the season? Because like you said, it doesn't always reflect in the win-loss column, but things certainly do seem to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, it's um, – looking back, we, we've we been in a lot of games through, you know, two or three quarters – and then because we're so young, we have that one quarter where we'll give up 24, 25, 26 points to a team. And then, you know, we're climbing out of that hole. So it's it's young. You know, we're learning that, you know, when they're making a run, you know, we have to do things to combat that. We have to, you know, kind of 
make adjustments and and they're not really you know in the beginning they weren't really catching on but you know our first two games were winnable against Kerry and um, New Regal and you know I, I see Kerry's made a nice run here um, but we were down one with 90 seconds and lost by a couple you know so it's we've had we've showed games we've had four or five games where we should have won but you know our, our youth kind of shows out and um you know they they just are, are learning how to win and and i told them i said it's easy to you know learn how to lose but it, you have you also have to learn how to win and you know we're doing that slowly but you know it's coming along um you know for instance lucas we were down nine at halftime to a really good team i think 11 and three and uh you know, we came out in the third quarter and, you know, we didn't really stick to the plan, you know, of what we talked about at halftime. We came out and let them have, score 24 and we went from nine to, I think, 21, maybe going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, there's just not much you can do there. So, but we're learning, you know, kids take away something from every game. I, I try to make sure they know, you know, something, you know, that they're they're learning from every game. You already mentioned the uh, Lucas game from over the weekend, but also had that matchup with Van Lu, and obviously that poses its own set of issues when you have to deal with the reigning BVC Player of the Year in Jerome Klepfer. What were some of the things uh, you saw from your team in that one? Yeah, it, we went in with a game plan of, um, you know, we I, we kind of knew, coaching staff kind of knew that Jerome was going to get his points, so to say. Um, we were trying to shut everybody else down and and kind of make it hard on them to you know get shots off um we were we actually played really good defense believe it or not against jerome um he's just that kind of a scorer that he can create his own shot um whether it off the dribble if we help any you know he's he's going to shoot it right over the top of you so our our game plan going into that was was trying to make it hard on the other four um pressure the other four a little bit to see if we could get some turnovers and you know um I think J.R. Snook had a pretty good game. Um, Rickle hit a couple of threes that we didn't see there, and, um, you know, things kind of got away with us. Then Jerome just, you know, kind of took over a little in the second half. And, and uh, you know, when he when he's on, I don't know if anybody can really, can really guard him. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB talking with Riverdale head boys basketball coach Drew Hobensack. And Evan Ryder has really emerged as your leading scorer this season. He's got about 11 points a game so far. And we saw him a little bit at the varsity level last year, but really his coming out party was actually on the baseball diamond. He was came into as one of the best players in the league as a freshman in baseball. What can you say about him and his development on the basketball side of things? Yeah, I think going back to that year, um, last baseball season helped him grow tremendously. I think that um, made him realize that he could fit in at the high school level. Um, we got him in a little bit here and there, a couple of minutes um, in basketball season. But I think baseball, you could really see his development as a high school player just kick in there and, and it, the light came on, so to say, as he can, he can fit in, he can play with these guys up at that level. So he put on uh, 15 to 17 pounds um, over the off season to, to, you know, muscle. And I think that was what I've said. The biggest improvement from him is he can take those bumps. He can take, you know, the posting up the, he doesn't get pushed around now. Uh, he, he can attack 
and, and when he gets a little bit of pressure, somebody bumps him, he's not moving off his spot now um, because of that added weight. So <clears throat> he, um, you know, and, and, he, and he worked a little over the offseason on his jump shot. So he's one of our leading three-point shooters as well um, at 6-1, you know, playing the, the four. And so, you know, he's kind of a dual threat there where he, he can score inside. He can even lead the break a little. Um, you know, we like to get out and run or try to. And he's led the break, you know, pushing the ball down the floor. So, um, yeah, I think it all goes back to baseball and and his um, gaining that um, knowledge and that just knowing that he can play at this level carried over into um, basketball this season. Another guy we got to see a little bit on varsity, but mostly on the JV side a year ago was Ethan Elwood. And he certainly gets after it on both ends of the floor, just looking kind of at his stat line. What are some of the things you can tell us about him? Yeah, Ethan is, um, he's 100% all the time. He he doesn't take a playoff. He, he'd stay out there. He's a soccer kid. Um, he, he when he comes out, he he's not happy because um, he can go the full, you know, 32 minutes. But he um he'll hustle from one end to the other and and not take a playoff. He he's developed. Uh, he's I think he's grown even a little from last year. He's pushing six two, um you know long lanky. Uh, he's our point guy, and if we play um you know any one two two, he's our one guy up front. Um he he's also plays at the three, so he can get shots up o- over top of people. And he was in during the summer, um you know in summer camps. He he came in early to get some work done, um, you know, in the off season. And, uh, you know, you can really see his growth as well. What we're trying to get out of him is now um, put on a little bit of weight, um, a little bit more leadership, um, you know, just um, getting that familiarity now with, with varsity basketball, as opposed to JV and, and what he was playing last year. He uh, was also a starter on the soccer team. And, and that's another thing, coach Taylor, I, I took away from him he always preached multiple sports and when you can play multiple sports and not just focus on one sport, it helps, you know, it, 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 like I said, with, with Evan, it promotes them to, to compete. And that's what we've been preaching for ever since I've been there at Riverdale is just to compete, go out and compete at a sport and, and you're going to get better at the high school level and you're going to learn how to win. Uh, you're, you're going to learn how to sit different situations and, you know, that's carried over for Ethan as well as he, he doesn't get as flustered. He doesn't get as, as shook sometimes as if things aren't going well. So, yeah, he's really he's really grown from from freshman to sophomore year. And we've already mentioned a lot of the guys on your team. But is there anyone we haven't mentioned that uh, deserves uh, some recognition for what they bring to your team? Yeah, I got two. Um, Jack Dusso is another sophomore guard. Um, he's worked tremendously hard over the offseason at uh as at a guard uh last year he was a starter on the jv and and at times it would get a little quick for him and you know it just he needed to slow things down and this year he's done that he's also worked on a shot um i think if he would shoot the ball more he could probably be one of the best uh three-point shooters in the in the conference um it's just getting that that confidence out of him that hey you you can shoot the ball you're good at it you know you can create your own shot um but again he's he's a sophomore um and and the last one I, I have is uh, Grant Inbody, who's a freshman, uh, six foot freshman that's that's had to step up here recently and play some big minutes for us. Um, he's been in the gym, you know him and him and Jack play AAU, and um, from his eighth grade year stepping into varsity, you know we haven't really had that much at Riverdale, um, but given some circumstances, he's had to step up and play, and 
he's had some pretty big minutes for us. Um, he had a big game against Waynesfield, I believe. He had uh, almost a double-double, uh, I think 10 points, nine rebounds. And, um, you know, for a freshman, that's uh, stepping in that role is, is pretty good. So we've asked him to spot start here and there, and he's growing into that role um, pretty well. He could be He could be special along with this sophomore class. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Talking with Riverdale head boys basketball coach Drew Hobensack here in the Fricker's Zoom room. And Friday night you take on Arlington, and they've been a really good team here throughout the so far this season, and they won on a miracle shot last Friday uh, to help them knock off PG. What have been some of the things you've seen from them in uh, film and getting ready for that one? Yeah, I just got done watching that game. Um, it's, you know, Coach Vermillion is is just all class, and and his teams are usually that way as well. Um, it's it's a, a classy program. You know, they do things the right way. Uh, they're going to get after it. They're going to throw multiple presses. Um, you know, they're they're going to get at you on the defensive end. Uh, they have a big, big kid in the middle, Essinger who, you know, just gets inside. And, and when he catches it on the block, there's one thing on his mind, and that's getting the ball in the basket. Um, so, you know, it's, it's he presents multiple layers um, here. You know, like I said, they're going to get after us on defense. Uh, they'll push the ball up the floor. They look to get it to their scores. Um, uh, Vermillion is, is great at that. Um, you know, and I, I, I feel like I say the same names every year over at Arlington, <laughs> but it's Vermillion, you know, facilitating the offense. And, uh, you know, he's getting it to the right guys, which is key to any offense, really, um, you know, and setting their play up. So it's uh, it's going to be a, a tall task. Um, our boys are ready. You know, it's a, it's a rivalry for us. And, um, you know, we just want to go out and, and prove that, you know, we're meant to be there. We, you know, we fit in with, with that group. And, you know, they have seniors and juniors as well. So, so you know, they're, they're upper class led and – you know, we just we just want to prove to them, to the league, you know, that hey, we're here and we're we're competing, we're playing hard, you know, and, and we're just uh you know, hoping to make it a good game. And then no rest for you guys as you'll then get right back at it on Saturday, taking on Miller City and, and you know those Putnam County teams, they they always seem to to bring it and whenever they uh step on the floor. Obviously you gotta get through the Arlington matchup on Friday, but what are some of the things you are looking forward to on Saturday? Sure, and I haven't. Um, we haven't really got into uh, Miller City that that much yet, but I know in the past we've taken some good teams there, or or had some good teams, and and you know maybe they haven't had such a good season, but man, do they always play us hard? And it's it's you know that's one thing that that we can expect is they're going to come in, um, they're going to press, they're they're gonna they're going to get out and run, you know, and, and they're going to play us hard. They're going to play us uh, physical. Um, which is another, you know, Putnam County staple is you're going to get a physical game. And, um, you know, we just have to respond to that, um, you know, and, and and that's one of the things that we're building on as well is learning the physicality of of this level of basketball where, you know, maybe the JV wasn't so physical or whatever we was doing last year. So, but yeah, Miller City always, like I said, always plays us tough. Um, you know, we always seem to, to to step up and play them tough, but man, coming off after that Arlington game is, you know, is a challenge. This has been Riverdale head boys basketball coach, Drew Hobensack. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Arlington and throughout the rest of the way. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll be back shortly to talk NFL postseason here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios.
Great news, Fostoria. The new watershed near the corner of 4th and Finley Streets is now open. This watershed offers another convenient location in the southwest corner of town to purchase pure water. You can also use the watershed off of Plaza Drive. Both watersheds are open 24-7 every day of the year. So grab your quarters and your containers and head to the closest watershed near you. For more info, go to nwwsd.org. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a 25 cent shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome to Big B Coffee, your home away from home that picks you up and leaves you in a better mood than when you arrived. No matter who you are, we know we'll have a drink for you and her and him. You see, here at Big B, we can customize our drinks for each person, dairy or no dairy, coffee or no coffee. We've got you covered, hot, iced or frozen. Big B Coffee is one of a kind, just like you. With locations on Tiffin Avenue and Trenton Avenue in Finley to serve you. Roto-Rooter is always the first name you think of when you have problems with your sewer system or any other household drains. Tim Munger and Roto-Rooter will thoroughly clean your sewer system, sink, shower drains, and toilets. The Mungers have been serving the Faustoria and Seneca County area for over 65 years. Give Tim Munger a call at 419-435-3360. That's 419-435-3360 for all of your drain cleaning needs. And away go troubles down the drain. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Lance Morse. Matt here with you. Big thanks to Sean Ginnan from Van Lu and Drew Hobensack from Riverdale for joining us earlier on in the show. If you missed any part of our show today or just want to hear it again, head over to WFB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons. And while we might not be at the Frickers in Finley physically, you can still Stop in for their daily specials, of course, if the driving conditions are allowing you to do just that. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, you get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in. Get delivery through DoorDash. Daily specials are all dine-in only. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Find them online at Frickers.com. Matt, let's take a quick look back at the divisional round before we look ahead to the games for this weekend. So those games on Saturday, uh, Jags, Chiefs, and uh, Eagles, uh, Giants, not too surprising either way. Jags, Chiefs certainly wound up being closer than I thought it would, only a uh, seven-point win for the Chiefs. So that looks kind of to appear more about the Jags and their potential here in the near future uh, compared to just, you know, the Chiefs just continuing to be the Chiefs uh, by getting the win. And Giants, Eagles, I mean, the Eagles jumped ahead quickly. wasn't a whole lot to uh, wasn't a whole lot to take away from that one, aside from the Eagles being really good. Oh yeah, I, I mean let let's just start with the obvious. Uh, Spotted Kitty also go meow. Um, Jacksonville is. I think they're going to be here to stay going forward. I really think it was Doug Peter Doug Peterson coming in was one of the big X factors in helping turn that team around. Some of the other moves they've made, offensive line moves some of the personnel defensively. And 
Uh, make no mistake, the fact that two year in a, two years in a row, number one picks seem to be panning out with Trevor Lawrence. I still don't think he is the massive savior that people were making him out to be coming out of college, but it does look like he's at least going to be a serviceable to above average starting quarterback in the NFL. And Trevon Walker, actually, I, you got to give him credit. He was kind of a wild card coming out this year as the number one pick. A lot of people thought it might have been a miss between him and Aiden Hutchinson, but he's looked pretty decent in several spots. So there, there's a lot to like with Jacksonville. I really think they could get back to being one of the perennial teams like they were in the late 90s to early mid-2000s when they had guys like Fred Taylor, Jimmy Smith, uh, Tony Bazzelli, and they, they could really become something again. Kansas City's Kansas City. It, it, their fifth straight AFC title game, Pat, Pat Mahomes, I'm pretty sure he could be throwing two brown paper bags and a, a lady with a shopping cart walking through a Walgreens, and he still get throw for 4,000 yards and get the team at least in the divisional round. I, I mean, it's he's just phenomenal. Um, in regards to Eagles-Giants, the Eagles just look the part. They really do. I, I think it's the exactly the type of NFC title game that everyone was hoping to get between San Francisco and Philly, it's going to be a clash of two different styles. But yeah, Philly looks phenomenal. They, they've looked great all year. It, it's really hard to expect anything less from them now. I did throw to some paper bags on occasion. They had some ketchup on them. Are you, are you attempting to do a Pat Mahomes? <laughs> it's, it's, a, att- it's a very was, limited fake, but yeah. Was, was that an attempt at a Pat Mahomes? I think it's pretty good, right? I want to tell you no, but actually, <laughs> it's not great. Don't don't pat it's, yourself. Oh, oh it's it's ball. very limited. I'm very aware of that. But no, and and you know what? We can actually talk about that real quick. He does just have the best, <laughs> does it? I mean, it's it's somehow Kermit, but at the same time, it's not. It's like I I, I would pay just for a one time revival of the Muppets and having Pat Mahomes as the guest on that show and just it be Kermit the Frog and Pat Mahomes sitting across the table doing like word association with each other or something like that I don't know it'd be I'd I'd pay money to see that but I'm also a huge nerd so maybe not the best resource or pick in that one if I'm making the choices there but yeah I mean shoot Mahomes he's he looks every bit the part of being just that once in a generation, extremely special kind of quarterback. Not a whole lot else we really need to say about the Saturday game. So let's look at the Sunday slate from last week, Bengals, Bills, and Cowboys, Niners, and the Bengals, Bills. I think uh, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be the best game of the weekend and that a lot of people thought that, you know, the Bengals didn't have a whole lot of a chance in the game, yet Bengals win 27-10. to 10. Josh Allen didn't have himself a great game. Uh, didn't have a passing touchdown, and the Bills really didn't even have a running game, and that was part of where their issues uh, were, where the Bengals were able to be successful both through the ground and through the air. While Cowboys-Niners, it, it wasn't a pretty game. It certainly wasn't a very pretty game, 19-12, to your final score, but 
neither team on offense had done all that great. And really kind of from what I could see, the Niners just getting the little bit of the ground game going in the second half that they could was what helped them uh, pull away and get the win in that one. What were your thoughts on those Sunday games? Well, we'll start with the Bengals. And once again, what have I been saying? Kitty go Kitty purr. Go Kitty go meow. Um, I mean, that, that was supposed to be the game of the week. That was supposed to be the best game of this slate of divisional games. And it was exciting. It was a nail biter. It was an absolute thrilling game. And then kickoff happened. And the Cincinnati Bengals reminded everyone that they're just better than most of the teams in the AFC. It's you, you, you want to, you, you, you want a dog on the Bengals. Most people do. Most people want to give them a hard time because, you know, Joe Burrow is rookie season gets sacked a ton, gets hurt. They need an offensive lineman. They go draft Jamar Chase. They make the Super Bowl, even though Burrow's getting obliterated every other play. And then at the end of the Super Bowl, when they have a chance to win it or have a chance to tie it, he gets obliterated again and finally comes back to haunt them. It's it's easy to want to take digs at Cincinnati, but the fact of the matter is they have built a very good team there. A very, very good team. Defensively, there's a lot of players that you can really like. And get behind, I mean, Sam Hubbard, phenomenal player. Trey Hendrickson's turned into a great free agent signing. Dalton Hill was a great pick at the end of the first round for them. Looks like he's going to be a very solid safety for years to come. And and the fact of the matter is you you have to, I I know it's been a little while since we've done our top 10 quarterback rankings, but Joe Burrow has got to be number two or three in the NFL now. I I mean, I, I would certainly put him ahead of Josh Allen. This is now multiple performances in a row that Burrow has exceeded Josh Allen. So Josh Allen is extremely talented. He's a gifted quarterback. A little too much of a gunslinger, though, and it comes back to haunting them sometimes. Whereas Joe Burrow, I mean, it's he's Joe Shiesty. He's Joe Cool 2.0. It's He shows up in the fur coat smoking a cigar, and he's going to go out and still throw a good game. He's got a good ground game. He's got probably the best three or four wide receiver deep receiving core in the NFL. And the offensive line is finally starting to play decent. So I don't know. I, I really, I, Kansas City's a good team, but I don't know how since how they're going to beat Cincinnati, especially since, you know, since he's three and oh against them the last three times they played, it's they're, they're a good, good team. Um, the less we say about Dallas versus San Francisco, the better that may have been one of the most boring divisional <laughs> games I've watched in my life. Like I, I actually fell asleep partway through it. Like I, mean, I missed the whole third quarter. It was that boring of a game. I mean, I fell but, asleep during the fourth quarter, but it was also like past my bedtime. So well, that would yeah, happen and, either way. And you know, you're starting to become an old man now. It's, it's happening. I know that's happening to you. So the bedtime is important, but no, really, at the end of the day, I mean, the big things that I take away from the Dallas-San Francisco game, um, Brock Purdy is absolutely going to compete with Trey Lance for QB number one next year in San Francisco. And I don't think Trey Lance wins that. Brock Purdy is a much, much better quarterback than his draft position and that all the draft pundits out there made him out to be. On the flip side for Dallas, this team is going to look dramatically different next year. I really do not see them 
letting this game go. I see them blowing it up in some capacity. I see them blowing it up. I see them taking a potential run at Sean Payton. I see them even potentially taking a run at tanking and potentially going for someone like Caleb Williams or Drake May in 2024 to build around because it it seems like what they've built there, while it's been fun and while it's been competitive, it's not winning. They're getting to this middle ground status or they're doing really good in the regular season then blow it in the postseason. So I I don't know. I I think it's going to be a dramatically different looking Dallas Cowboy team next year. I think this may have been the catalyst for it because Dak Prescott did not look like an elite quarterback in that game. And that's now a couple times in a row in the postseason. He has looked very, very human. And that's just not going to fly in Dallas, not in Jerry land. Am I finally vindicated on my Dak Prescott's not very good take? I've always thought that you were perfectly vindicated. I didn't think he... I think your ex- extreme take on it <laughs> is a little much. I, I I think you toe the line between a hot take and a radically hot take <laughs> when it comes to Dak Prescott. But, I mean, look, you have CeeDee Lamb, you have Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, an elite-tier offensive line with guys like Zach Martin and Tyron Smith on the line, a defense that's continuing to get better, and you got called as it is. It looks like the weak link is quarterback on that offensive side of the ball with Dak Prescott. It's it's he's, he's a good player. I, I think in another system, he'd do very, very well. Just, I, I don't see Dallas holding on to him, especially if they're trying to make a run at Sean Payton. I think that also means they're making a run for like an Aaron Rodgers one year rental. If they're trying to win it all, maybe going after Derek Carr, maybe going for a tank like they did back in the day with Jimmy Johnson to go get whatever quarterback they want next year. But I don't know that Dallas, I do not see them looking the same for opening week next year that they do right now. This is the NWO orthopedics sports auto here from the Fricker studios. Classic hits 96, seven WBVI ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you. Big thanks to Sean Ganan from Van Lu and Drew Hobensack from Riverdale for joining us earlier on the show. Just got done uh, recapping the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And now we look ahead to the conference championships this weekend. Three of the four teams in the same position as last season, the Lone exception being the Philadelphia Eagles instead of the LA Rams. In the NFC, Niners versus Eagles. Eagles, like we said, didn't miss a beat. They got out in front of the Giants from the get-go and looked like a very dominant team. The Niners uh, more limited last week against the Cowboys, but of course still able to pull out the win. And I don't know if it's exactly what is being talked about you know, at the national level, but for me, the most intriguing matchup, it has to be the Eagles offensive line against the Niners defensive line because whoever wins that exchange probably going to wind up winning the game. What's what's your perspective on the NFC? Uh, NFC, you hit the nail on the head. It's entirely in the trenches. Um, what Lane Johnson, Andre Dillard, and those guys can do against Nick Bosa, Javon Kinlaw, and company is going to determine the outcome of this game. But I don't think it determines the winner of this game. I think Philadelphia is going to win regardless. I think it deter. I think it will determine whether or not San Francisco has a chance, or if San Francisco gets boat raced. 
I think that's the only thing that the offensive line, defensive line battle deters. Because I just the the defense is very good, but at the end of the day, Jalen Hurts can run. He's a very talented runner. So if he can, if he gets away from that first line of defense, you still can make plays. He can still improvise. He can still ad lib. Miles Sanders is a very good running back. They're getting some good play out of their second backs as well. Devonta Smith, AJ Brown. It, it's it's a stacked unit offensively. But I think the part that most people don't necessarily think about is the defensive side. Philly's got a pretty decent defense this year. It, it's not amazing, but certainly better than I think what the Cowboys threw at San Francisco the other day. So I, I think the 49ers defense or offense is going to struggle. I think this game comes down to whether or not the Niners defense can frankly almost pitch a shutout against Philly. Cause I think if it gets to a two or three score kind of game, I think Philadelphia is going to win handily. So they're going to have to play the game of their lives against the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl. So for my money, I think it's going to be Philly. And I'm kind of rooting for Jalen Hurts on that one. It's He's a feel-good story. He got booed when he was drafted, got booted from Alabama, went to Oklahoma, was great, but kind of got snubbed at the Heisman and all that stuff, got snubbed as a quarterback coming into the league. It's it's a good story. I, I really want to see him be successful. So I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be Philadelphia. Only in the NFL can you have a player who – you, you, two ends of the spectrum with obviously Brock Purdy, the last pick in the draft. Everybody knows about that story that has been paying attention in the league in any way. But Jalen Hurts' story, it's it's so unique. It's not it's not a bad story by any stretch. It's a good story. It's just it's I guess it's just so hard for me as someone who watched him at Bama when it was so clear that Tua was the better of those guys at Bama, it's hard for me to now think, okay, maybe Jalen Hurts just needed more development in different ways away from what they did at Bama. And now, I mean, we don't know if he's going to be MVP, but he's at least in the discussion to be MVP. Well, I I think at the end of the day, what Jalen Hurts needed was Lincoln Riley to tell him, hey, let yourself off the leash. Be an improviser because that was the thing that killed him at Alabama. He was so regimented in that Nick Saban offense that he he didn't ad lib. As soon as he started ad libbing at Oklahoma, he became a Heisman candidate. He was an All American. It's, I mean, the kid's been good every spot that he's been at. So I'm not really surprised that he's good in the pros. I'm a little surprised at how good he is in the pros. And it's, he's done a phenomenal job. So yeah, for me, it's. Uh, I think both are great stories. I think both are going to be starting quarterbacks in the NFL going forward. I just do think, to be perfectly honest, I, I think Philly just has more weapons. I think they have more weapons and better talent overall. And switching gears to the AFC Bengals Chiefs, same matchup, same location. Bengals pretty much have everybody in the key pieces that they had a year ago. Chiefs, they obviously don't have Tyreek Hill after trading him to Miami in the offseason, but you also have the uh you also have that Patrick Mahomes got a little, little banged up in that game against the Jags, actually did miss a series before he was able to come back in. And if he is in fact limited really in any way, that does not bode well for the Chiefs and what they like to do on offense. 
Well, I mean, what they like to do on offense is somehow give Travis Kelsey a 10-yard cushion when he goes over the middle or a quick out pattern every bit. How? How does that happen? I'm going to go on a little rant for a moment. <laughs> every person in the stadium, every person on TV, every person who's played Madden football knows the ball is going to Travis Kelsey on an eight-yard out or a nine-yard button hook or a seven-yard in. It's how how is he always wide open it's not like he's actually breaking any coverages or doing anything aggressively disruptive to the defense he's just running his route just for some reason they always leave him wide open it's like why you know he's good double team him well if we double team him what about the air receivers they're no longer Tyree kill Sammy Watkins or Mikel Hardman you can double team Kelsey now it is okay sorry sorry rant over on a side note travis kelsey does so many good things for the cleveland area he he represents cleveland very very well i I do gotta give him a lot of credit for that um having said that this is the Bengals game to lose it really is um i i think cincinnati is just better from top to bottom i think it took them a little bit to get back in stride get rid of the super bowl hangover at the start of the season but the, the the fact they were on what an eleven game winning streak at some point this season, that's they're just they're a phenomenal football team. They're they're probably, for my money, I think they're the best team in the league still standing right now, and I I think they're kind of going to prove it. I think Jamar Chase, T Higgins, and company are going to have great games. I think Joe Burrow is playing at the next level that he should be at. And I think he's approaching going into that elite category, like the top tier elite category with that, which once again, called that one wrong. And I admit <laughs> it. I called that one wrong, completely called it wrong. And I own that. I hundred percent own that. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I, I just think Cincinnati is, has too much going for it. I, I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be a little more decisive of a game than people might let on. But I, I think it's going to be a pretty solid win for them and Kitty go meow. And I I honestly think they're going to probably go into that Super Bowl then, at least from my projection against Philadelphia, as the presumptive favorite. I, I think... I really do think this could be the year for the Bengals. And now having said that, watch the Chiefs win by 45. <laughs> so it's it's just one of those things where you can't you can never count out Kansas City, but I I really think Cincinnati is just they're, they're too good. They're just too, too good. And especially what they did against Buffalo this past week in the divisional round. I don't think anyone expected that. And that's the kind of situation where it's like, Oh, this this is eye opening how good this Bengals team actually is. You think we're just gonna let you skate again on uh how much you did not like Joe Burrow coming out of college? It's this is important. <laughs> this is very important. It was not that I didn't like him. It is that he went from a sixth round pick to the number one pick. The last time a kid had that type of crazy rise in their draft stock. It was Jamarcus Russell. It's you, you don't see one year like explosive levels of offensive output usually translate to success in the NFL. It just, it doesn't. It usually doesn't. 
Joe Burrow is just that dude, I suppose, where he can do that. So, yeah, I, I totally own that. I called that one wrong. I, I own it. I owned it to the uh, cold takes guy, freezing cold takes guy as well. When we talked with him, it's I, I know that I called that one wrong. It's he's done a great job. He's been very capable and very talented since he's come in the league. And he's done a lot of great things for Cincinnati already. So, yeah, I called it wrong. I stand by my belief at the time based on other historical evidence and other historical backdrops associated with it. But, okay, yeah, I got it wrong. What do you want from me? (laughs) From April 23rd of 2020 in your live tweet of the draft. Bengals, Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU, B-. See, that's not a bad grade. Joe can be a great quarterback, has good talent at the skill positions around him, that O-line, though, needs to be addressed so they don't turn Burrow into David Carr. That is a fair ass- You know what? I'm actually... The assessment is, The assessment was, was good. Your grade was not. Well, my grade, my grade was based on in the moment. They didn't have an offensive line. The skill position players are good. So it was you draft a quarterback, but you don't have any insurance to keep him upright. To my credit, I was proven right. He left the seat his rookie season with a torn ACL because he got sacked 45 times. And then on their Super Bowl run, he won a game where he got sacked nine times. I, I, I'm going to call it as is. I'm vindicated on that assessment. B minus probably should be a little bit higher, but it's it's that's still a fair assessment. I even said he could be a great quarterback. Uh, with that, we'll go. Wow, ahead. I don't feel. Hold on. No, what, hold on, what, hold on. what, what? Because I've been given a lot of guff about that assessment. Actually read it. It's not that bad of an assessment. The assessment is not bad. It's fair. But the grade of ah, just a B minus. OK, first of all, I don't sound like that. Uh, you you, you kind of do. I don't sound like that. I, I don't sound like I go through 12 packs a day. Sometimes you do. Well, sometimes I do, but that's not important. But the fact of the matter is, I, I'm I'm not nearly as embarrassed about that assessment as I have been because I forgot how I worded it, what I said on that. Not nearly as embarrassed as I was recently about that assessment. With that, as long as Matt lets me, we will go ahead and take one more timeout, then we'll come back and wrap things up here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks. When there's no time to make food for your holiday party, carry out four pounds of frickin' chicken chunks for only Give the gift that always fits a $25 Frickers gift card and get five freaking bonus bucks free. Let them get what they really want. It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. 
Need new tires or tire service? Then Wilson Tire Company has you covered. Offering 15 brands of tires and providing 24-hour roadside assistance, Wilson Tire Company can get the job done. In business for over half a century, Wilson Tire Company has three convenient locations. Tiffin, Upper Sandusky, and Kenton. Wilson Tire Company offers mobile services, especially for commercial and farm applications. Check them out on the web for contact information or simply set an appointment from the comfort of your couch. Wilson Tire Company, a trusted partner for all your tire needs. Grit. The word is defined as having courage or strength of character. My name is Mitch Gardner, and I'm the owner of Grit. We are a personalized health and fitness organization that will help you find the strength and courage to become the best version of you. Let my staff at Grit encourage you to get healthy in the right way. It's time to take charge of your health for yourself, your family, and your future. Grit is located behind Ace Hardware and BodyWorks 24-Hour Fitness of Tiffin. Or reach out via email at grit, G-R-I-T-T, dot training at gmail.com. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you. Big thanks to Sean Ganan from Van Loo and Drew Hobensack from Riverdale for joining us earlier on in the show. If you miss any part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our interviews and shows from past seasons as well. And Matt, before we go, there's a couple couple things in the world of sports that I want to touch on. And one, one of them is um it's it's become one of my yearly things that I have to do. Do, do you remember what that is? I, I don't know, but I'm sure it somehow involves Dan Lemitard. <laughs> I mean, on a very on a very grand scale, yes, but in this instance, not exactly. And go ahead, fill me in. That would be baseball hall of fame voting. Oh God, yeah. Let's God, let's not get started on that. <laughs> Scott Rowland, the lone player selected into the Hall of Fame this year, this cycle. He played for the Phillies, Cardinals, and Reds during his career. Seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glove winner. Congrats to him. I'm I'm not saying he's undeserving. I'm not saying anything like that. But to tell me that he's the only player that's good enough to go into the Hall of Fame, especially with no Barry Bonds, no Roger Clemens on the ballot since they've all they are they had already been on there for the ten years before you're removed from the ballot. I, I I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. Roland got 76.3 percent of the votes. You need 75 percent to get in to the Hall of Fame. Uh, the next guys behind him: Todd Helton, 72.2 percent; Billy Wagner, 68.1; Andrew Jones, 58.1. Carlos Beltran, 46.5. Same thing for Jeff Kent. And A-Rod and Manny Ramirez just after them. And uh, Cleveland legend Omar Vizquel got 19.5% of the vote after some of those guys. And I'm sure the excuses are ready for the baseball writers. Oh, Todd Helton played in Colorado. That inflates his numbers. Who the hell cares? He was there for 17 years. It's not like he was just there one year and that inflated his numbers. He proved that he was good regardless of where he was playing. He was awesome for about 10 of his years, maybe a little more, where he had 40 doubles a year. He had high home run numbers in a chunk of those years too. And he only really got, I think, had one injury season. Maybe a little later in his career he had more injuries, but at least one year kind of in his prime that he missed because of injuries. Billy Wagner, he's easily one of the best lefty relievers ever. I, I don't need to really make a large case for him. 
Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Beltron, they were all among the top hitters in the 2000s, even with the Bonses of the world, the Maguires of the world, all that good stuff. Jones, of course, was awesome as a center fielder for those Braves teams. Defy me a kid who played baseball back in the day in while, while, these, while these guys were playing. You're telling me you didn't try doing the Gary Sheffield batting stance? You sh- you're telling me you didn't try it once? I don't, I, I, I don't I, believe you. I actively used the Gary Sheffield batting stance back when I played. Exactly. I did. I, like, I, that, is, that is the stance I used. I mean, my favorite player was Jeff Bagwell, but I could never get that crouch Bags. just right. So I switched to the Gary Sheffield, you know, kind of standing up, having the bat moving behind you, and then really crank into it as you get up to the plate. But I, I, I'll say this much. I, I think the 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 baseball hall of fame is probably one of the most pathetic hall of fames in professional sports by a wide margin and they do it to themselves it's a clown show it's cuz they gatekeep yeah it's it's a clown show it's just a clown show year in and year out they're trying to gatekeep after they actively made billions in print in money in opportunities in revitalizing the game during the steroid era and then they vilify them because they want to play holier than thou because they're dipstick reporters and cranks who've probably never touched a baseball in their lives, but think they know everything. You never put and your hand in the dirt. They probably never did. And I'll be honest. Most of those writers probably don't even touch grass nowadays. <laughs> it's probably a bunch of neck beards hiding in a corner somewhere, just typing, Ew, I didn't like this player. Ew, Fred McGriff wasn't good enough. Ew, Gary Sheffield wasn't good enough. You know who was good? This guy who had this weird PWAR stat that made him look like he was elite, even though he was mid at best. Oh, God. Don't get me wrong. Scott Rowland's a good player. He's not a Hall of Famer, though. Certainly not before a guy like Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, especially. Omar Vizquel. How Omar Vizquel, an 11-time Gold Glove winner, is only getting 20% is a joke. It's a joke. It oh no, I'm I'm sorry. It's the 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 baseball hall of fame for my two cents is about as useful as a bull in a china shop. It's it it's just they're useless. They're absolutely useless. They do not get it right 90% of the time. They have these weird metrics. It, it's 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 junk. It's absolute junk. And it's a shame because there's been a lot of good players that were integral to the game of baseball. And that's where I draw the line. You may have had the steroid era. You may have had different scandals throughout that time. But you cannot tell the story of the game of baseball without Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds. You can't tell the game of baseball without Roger Clemens. You can't tell it without Kurt Schilling. You can't tell it without some of the other players that have come through that were scandal ridden or had issues during that time you just can't and just because some people weren't magically listed on this report that the mitchell report came out with that conveniently was very pro boston red Sox and anti every other team make no mistake that the guy who ran the mitchell report also was a minority shareholder in the boston red Sox at the time of creating said report it, you you can't tell the story of baseball without those players Good, bad, or indifferent, you can't tell the story about, and most of them are record. You can't tell the story of baseball without Pete Rose. 
but you're going to tell me, oh, he gambled or he did this, he did that, but it's okay. We're going to let Ty Cobb come in. Ty Cobb literally lynched two people while he was a professional baseball player. He literally lynched and was involved in the killing of two people. I mean, and it, it's, it's, and not, he gets it's, to get in? it's not, it's not baseball, but OJ Simpson still on, still at Canton. His bus yes, is still that, there. That, that is, that is a thing too, but you know, at the NFL, they let people with scandals in. they let people with some history and some questionable behaviors in. I don't think it makes it right. But I think if you're going to gatekeep, I think you should gatekeep across the board. Okay, so Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire can't get into the Hall of Fame. That's fine. Remove Ty Cobb. Remove Ty Cobb. Remove any player that could potentially have been involved in gambling of any capacity. I'd remove players from the Cincinnati Reds from the Chicago White Sox when they tried to fix the World Series. Any Hall of Famers from them are are illegitimate because it came off of gambling. When that's that's the thing where when you try to be quote unquote holier than now, you have guys like Ty Cobb as you've just illustrated. You have guys that were either proven steroid users or there was certainly a lot of smoke around that fire of being someone who used PEDs. So at yeah. a, at a certain point, it's either it's all good or none of it's good. And the fact that it's it's like, eh, we like this guy, so we're going to vote him in, whereas we don't like Barry Bonds, so we're not voting him in, that's when it's like, okay, you got something going on, else going on here. Well, and it's, uh, I'll just use this as an example. If you're going to play holier than thou, fine. Alex Rodriguez should receive 0% of the vote every single time. How's he getting votes? He, he was the first openly admitted steroid user megastar from that era. He got busted when he was with Texas, got busted again when he was with the Yankees. It's how, how's he on the ballot? He should have been banned for life. I'll tell you why he's on the ballot, because he helps with MLB TV. He helps with the TBS broadcasts. He helps when they need post-game analysis or pre-game analysis. And... He's a little bit more likable than Barry Bonds is. Oh, that, that's that's entirely the difference for A-Rod. That's entirely yeah. the difference. It's the, the problem is, is their gatekeeping is gatekeeping surrounded by a field of just abject nepotism. It's it's for my money, it makes the Hall of Fame baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown the most useless enterprise in sports. And I say that with my all-time favorite player, Jeff Bagwell, being considered a Hall of Famer. So it kills me, because there's a lot of players that I liked growing up that are in the Hall of Fame. But I don't consider it legitimate at all. It's either you you accept everything, or you got to accept nothing, and only the purest of the pure get to go in. Which, if that's the case, then you probably can't let anyone west of the Rockies into the Hall of Fame, because they're at a higher altitude, easier to hit home runs. I need to I need to have this conversation uh, with with my dad the next time I can because we he, baseball was has always been his favorite sport yeah and and we've always said you know we got to make a trip to Cooperstown we got to make a trip to Cooperstown and I've thought about it you know at times now that I am an adult but at the same time it's like I what am I going to see that I don't already know that isn't like 
that isn't the knowledge that I just have from being as big of a sports fan as I am. Like we went to Canton, you know, in 2018 when when Macomb goes on to win a state title, we got uh-huh. to go, and there were plenty of reasons to go to Canton. Now it's like unless there's some major shift, or if we just bite the bullet and say, okay, when Miguel Cabrera gets in, because he's one of our favorite players as as Tigers fans, maybe when he gets in, maybe that's when we decide to just go, just because it's a player that I grew up watching that's getting in. But it's like until then, we we don't have a push to actually go to Cooperstown. I'll tell you right now, I I'd be a little concerned whether or not Miguel Cabrera gets in. Which, if that's the case, is a giant joke. Giant well, joke. The, here's the problem: Miguel Cabrera was in was a home run hitter and power hitter at the height of the steroid era. They have not let a single power hitter in that was at the height of that era. They've let people in from the 90s that moved into the steroid era. By that logic, you, by that logic, you don't think Pujols would get in. Do you really want my answer on that one? I do, yeah. I think he's going to struggle because I think there's going to be some NL Central beat writers who are going to pull up accusations from 2004 and 2005 that suggested that pool host was using HGH. I, I think, I then think, for, I think and it, for, and for Cabrera, it's going to be about the testosterone because I, I know he wasn't on record for that, but there was rumblings that he was taking testosterone with his time in Florida. I, I, I think Pujols will get in. I think it, it just might not be like close to unanimous. I think he'll get in. I think he's, he's been enough of a good guy you know, because the baseball term of because of the politics stuff, I think he'll get in. It just might not be as definitive as like some other guys. But if 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 you're if you've watched baseball the last I'll I'll be generous I'll say fifteen ish years, and you tell me Miguel Cabrera is not one of the best hitters you've ever seen, you you are not watching the same game. I I absolutely think he's one of the best hitters I've ever seen. I've it, in my lifetime watching baseball, going to Cleveland games, going to Pittsburgh games, and stuff like that. There's only been five hitters that I've seen in my life where I'm like, every time they're up to bat, I'm convinced they're going to do something magical. Miguel Cabrera is one of them. Every time he went up to bat, it's like something incredible is about to happen. So if I was on my phone, it's like, I'm putting my phone down. If I was eating something, it's like, I'm putting my food down. I'm just going to watch kind of situation. But again, it's with this gatekeeping nonsense. And I look to some of the players that are getting minimal votes. Andrew Jones was a great all-around player. Yeah. And there's no accusations connected to him. It's the the worst they have on him is he didn't win a World Series when he was with Atlanta. And it's like it, that that's why you're not getting letting him in. Like that's the reason, but you're going to put Scott Rowland in the Hall of Fame. So for for me, no, it's I I think I'll I'll be perfectly candid. I think the way the voting is nowadays, if I'm Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, if I'm any of the power hitters from this, hell, if I'm even Mike Trout, I'm a little worried about my legacy post career, whether or not they're going to let me in. Because if you're someone who was big, athletic, had power, and was an all around good player, I think some neck beard hiding in a basement beat writer is going to start accusing you of crap and try and undermine your Hall of Fame candidacy. 
because maybe you beat his team too many times. I don't know, but no, for, for me, the Hall, I'm with you. The Hall of Fame is a joke. I mean, I guess congrats to Scott Rowland and also congrats to Fred McGriff who got in earlier Crime this dog. year. I, th- I do think Fred McGriff is an, a, a good Hall of Famer. He he is a worthy choice for that, but yeah, no, it's uh that you and me both on the Hall of Fame for baseball. It's I'm I I've lost so much faith in that institution. On that note, that'll do it for us here tonight. Big thanks to Sean Ganan from Van Lu and Drew Hobensack from Riverdale for joining us on the show. Don't miss our basketball coverage coming your way over the next few days, of course, weather permitting with all the things that have came into our area today. Thursday night, rivalry matchup, SBC River Calvert taking on Hopewell Loud and Matt Common and I will have that one for you on both stations Thursday night. Friday on Classic Hits, BVC action with Van Buren hosting Van Lu. Matt Brown and I have that one for you Friday on Classic Hits. And then Friday on WFOB, we'll have girls basketball action, New Regal hosting Gibsonburg. Matt Common and Tom Grind have that one for you Friday on WFOB. From our broadcast partner, Matt Common, this is Lance Morris signing off from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.